As we said, our curriculum is Godly Women. Today, it's Holy Women of Old. And our first scripture, if you look in our curriculum, starts out with 1 Peter 3, 5. It reads, For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also, who trusted in God, adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well, and are not afraid with any amazement couple of things we can point out, just jump right into that first scripture there, that the holy women of old trusted in God. They had to know their God. They had to spend time with their God in order to trust him because you don't trust somebody that you don't know. So we can see straight off to be a holy woman. One thing we're going to have to do is spend time with our God, not just in Sunday school, not just in services, but spend time in his word, praying to him, talking to him, letting him talk to us about our lives so that we can change and we can know our God so that we can know the one that we serve. Some other things we can see right there, uh, they adorn themselves being in subjection unto their own husbands. We have some other lessons later on that will really hit home on that, but for a holy woman, it's important for you to be in subjection to your own husband. You know, you're not supposed to worry about what other women's husbands are doing or other men are doing, but your responsibility is to your God and then to your husband. So as a holy woman, we can see that from that scripture right there as well. And I like the end. It says, whose daughters ye are as long as ye do well and are not afraid with any amazement. These women weren't chased away and afraid of the standard. You know, God sets a high standard, and we like that because it gives us something to come up to. But sometimes our flesh doesn't like that because that means our flesh has to come up to it and change. But these women were not afraid of the standard. They said, oh, praise God, I can see that. I can reach for it. I can run for that. I can, I can attain that. If it's God's standard, he'll give me the grace to do it. I thank God for that. Our, our, our curriculum says the modern Christian woman should desire to be like the holy women of old. This isn't old-fashioned philosophy, it's God's philosophy. Born-again women are called the daughters of these great women of faith. Let us examine their lifestyle to see how their daughters should act. So we're going to examine a couple of these holy women of old to see what aspects that we can apply to our lives as the daughters of these women today. And just to point out real quick, it is God's philosophy. You know, Pastor Okwoko said some things I think that might have been hard for some of us to hear or very different for some of us to hear because it was new only because we're American. But it's God's culture. It's not an African culture. It's not Pastor Okwoko's culture. It's not some foreign culture. It's God's culture. If we can see it in the word, that's what he wants for us, and that's what we should strive for. In contrast to that, Proverbs tells us that the fool has no delight except it express itself. So when we think, oh, you know, that's, that's old, that's old-fashioned, that's, that's just the way Africans do it, that's not the way I've been taught, well, you're a fool if you just have to express yourself. We're wise and holy when we express God and his mannerisms and his ways of doing things. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be called a fool by the Bible, so I'm going to endeavor not to express myself uh, and express God in my everyday life, in my actions, my words, my deeds. So let's look at our first woman here is Eve, fitting to be the first woman. She's the first to bring life. She is the first woman mentioned in the Bible. Our curriculum says that Eve sets the example for us in the book of beginnings. She was Adam's companion and help. She helped Adam labor and tend and keep the garden of God. 
She fell prey to the serpent's devices, but God still had a role for her to play. She became the first mother and the first human producer of life. She is called the mother of all living in Genesis 3.20. And it also goes on to say her desires would always be subjected to her husband. So the beginning of that, we can see that she was Adam's companion. She was his help. You know, we mentioned last time she wasn't his Lord. She wasn't his master. She was his helpmeet. That's what the biblical term is for us as wives. We're helpmeet to our husbands. Um, you know, and, and she was to help him. She helped him in the garden, which for us would be helping your husband at home, helping your husband with his business. You know, Pastor Okoko talked about packing a lunch for your husband, helping him with his day-to-day affairs, because those were Adam's day-to-day affairs, was tending the garden and and God's animals, God's creation. That was his day-to-day life. You know, for us, our day-to-day lives are very different, but we can still see that example that Eve set by helping her husband in his day-to-day affairs. So as as women, we should desire to help our husbands in his day-to-day affairs. And all of your husbands are different. Those of you that are single, you can just pray, Lord, help me to have this heart. You know, but like we said before, you're subjected to your husband. So whatever your husband needs help in is what you as a wife should be providing. It shouldn't matter what, you know, Melina's husband needs or what Miss Eva's husband needs. It matters what your husband needs help with. And that's what what your role is, is to help him. It goes on to say, I like this, that she fell prey to the serpent's devices. I don't like that she fell, but I like that it shows us that she still had a job to do. God still had a role for her because how many of us could raise our hand today and say, I've never fallen. I've never done anything that God didn't want me to do. Women and men, none of us can raise our hand because none of us are without fault, but God still has a role for us. And, you know, even if you've been taught contrary to all of this up until now and you've fallen just because of your teaching, well, we can still change that. God still has a role for us. He still has his word for us. He still has a job for us to do. That's exciting to me. She became the first mother and the first human producer of life. And we really hit that in last week's curriculum, if you missed it, how incredible it is that that we as women get the job of incubating life, of carrying life within us. God gave us that honor and that privilege. And Eve got to be the first one to do that. How exciting. Even after she fell, she got to be the first one to do that which is exciting to know that God still has many blessings for us, many treats for us, many good things if we just get up and continue on with him. And she's called the mother of all all living. Uh, And we talked about last time that, that human life can only be incubated in a woman. You know, feminism wants you to be a man. We, We touched on that, but men can't incubate life. That's a privilege given to women by God. And when we don't walk in our role and we try to be the man, there's no one to incubate life. There's no one to nurture life. There's no one to to help that aspect of the home. And that's what we want to desire to be. There's a lot in all of these, and I won't have time to get it. So we're going to go on down to Miss Sarah. She's our next one. And I like Sarah a lot. Uh, The name means my lady, my princess, noblewoman, mother of faith. That's exciting to be called the mother of faith. Eve got to be the, the first mother of a, of a human, and Sarah gets to be what the Bible records as a mother of faith. Our curriculum reads, every great man of faith needs a great woman of faith. Uh, and we can, we can stop right there and just say that if you are constantly dragging your heels and, and, and pulling your husband down, even if he's a great man of faith, you are going to pull him down as a woman, and that's not what you're designed to do. We'll see 
uh, later in our curriculum here, you're, you're called to encourage your husband. That's your job. That's every woman's role is to be an encouragement. But if you're not a woman of faith, or maybe your faith is just misplaced in the wrong things, uh, in the world system, your, your, your own strengths and abilities, you're not going to be the help meet the blessing that you could be to your husband. And, and Sarah was that, which is good for her. It does tell us in the Bible that she wobbled back to our curriculum a little bit in her faith, in her walk with God, but she finished strong and is the first woman recorded in the hall of faith in Hebrews 11. She was a compliment to her husband. She complimented her husband's faith. She didn't pull him down. She didn't try to get him off, off God's course for their life. She was a compliment to him. She was pushing him forward in the things of God. And that's what we need to desire to be as women. Sarah's greatest quality was that she judged him faithful who had promised in Hebrews eleven eleven. That's awesome to me. Her, her greatest quality was that, again, she trusted God. She judged him faithful who had promised that him is God the Father. He had promised her seed. She judged him faithful, and the only reason that she could do that was because she had a daily walk with God for herself. She spent time in the Word. You know, I said last time a couple times she was a woman of the Word, and I don't just mean believing the Word, but I mean she was living it. This Bible was a part of her daily life. And we as American women, uh, African women, Women in general, we have to be women that spend time in God's word. We have to know what his word says. We have to be able to trust what his word says. And like we said, we can't trust someone we don't know. If we don't spend time with our Savior, if we don't spend time with the Lord Jesus on a regular basis, we won't trust him. And what we'll end up trusting is the world's way of doing things, the world system. What grandma taught you, what your girlfriends at work teach you, you'll end up trusting what you see on TV because that's more of what you're putting in you than the word of God. And many American women read everything but the word of God. There's 50 billion types of magazines that sell for $5 a piece that women pick up and read on a regular basis. Romance novels, you know, silly novels, fiction novels, not against novels and magazines, but what is, what, is the, what is the ratio? How much time are you spending in the Word of God versus how much time are you spending reading other things? The Word of God has got to be first in our life. We've got to spend more time there. We won't trust our God. We won't know our God. We won't even know what's in here if, if we're not studying it for ourselves. Again, we've got to come to church. The Bible tells us, you know, we should be faithful to Sunday school and teachings like this. But on a daily basis, we have to walk with God for ourselves. That was her greatest quality. And in 11, 11, 11, if you read that in the Amplified, it has some, some neat translations of those words that, that you can look at later. Another thing about Miss Sarah is she confidently followed Abraham when they started a new life in their 70s. She followed her husband, which is what we see we should have done from our very first scripture, be in subjection to our own husbands. You know, God talked to Abraham and said, pick up your stuff and go. He didn't talk to Sarah. We have no record that she ever heard from God. The only voice she heard was her husband saying, come on, honey, we're going. Pack some dresses and some clothes, we're, we're going. She didn't have a voice from God. She had a voice from her husband. I believe the reason she could trust the voice of her husband is because she knows her God. She, and she prays for her husband, I'm sure, on a regular basis. But she was in subjection to her husband. That's, that's encouraging for us as women because many times, 
If your husband says, you know, honey, we're doing this. Well, the woman, why? Why? What are we doing that for? What do you mean we're doing that? That's not the way I think we should do it. And again, coming back to thinking we have rights. If you're a married individual, your husband is the Lord of your home. He is the leader of your home. And, and Sarah displayed that beautifully here. It doesn't say she ever kicked and screamed anything. She just said, okay, pack some stuff and they off they went. And I, I've seen this play out in my own personal life that before I was married, I, God spoke to me on a regular basis directing my life. Since I've been married, I just follow my husband's leading. The Lord doesn't have to speak to me on a regular basis for our lives because I'm not the one in control of our lives. My husband is. So that's just a little personal testimony. Sarah was a wise counsel to Abraham in Genesis 21, 12, yet submitted to him, calling him Lord, 1 Peter 3, 6. That part there where she was a wise counsel to Abraham, she, she had encouraged her husband that it was time to kick out Hagar and the son that Hagar had produced. And, and Abraham didn't want to because his heart was attached to the boy. It was his son. I feel like to me that the only reason Sarah was able to see that was because she was a good steward of her home. If you read that passage, it says that she saw the boy, Hagar's son, uh, mocking, mocking and laughing. So she, she said, this, this, this child has to go. These, these, this child will not be an heir with my son. So because she was a good steward of her home, paying attention to her home and the things of her home, which as a woman you should be doing, she was able to see that and encourage her husband in the way for them. And then later we see that God spoke to Abram and said, do these things that Sarah says, this is, this is right. So God was able to minister to him. And it doesn't say that she kicked a fit or packed the boy's bag and said, here, kick these people out. She made a suggestion to him that she saw with her eyes because she was a steward over her home. And then she let the husband make the decision, and he did. And, and all of your husbands, you know, that walk with God, they want to do the same thing. So we can take, take peace and confidence in that. She had a strong walk with God for herself and did not ride her husband's spiritual coattails. And that goes back to, you know, her being able to trust God for herself. She walked with God for herself. You know, as women, we have to do that. We have to walk with God for ourselves. Because the Bible says she herself received strength to conceive seed. She had the faith to conceive that baby. We all know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. She may have never been able to have that child had she not had a walk with God, had she not had faith in God and what his word said because she had to have faith to conceive that baby in her 90s. And we can go on to see that she was still being sexually intimate with her husband in her, into her 90s and beyond. Um, so as women, we can see that, that that's something that we can aspire to, to be a godly woman as well, to make sure that we're, we're you know, paying attention to our husband's needs and desires in that, that aspect as well. So Sarah, there's a whole lot more to her. I really like, like the testimony that she is to us, the example that she is to women. She's worth going back and having another look on your own time. But we'll move on to Rebecca. It means a quarrel appeased, a beautiful servant. We could preach right there from her name, meaning a quarrel appeased. Many women, all they want to do is quarrel. But Rebecca appeased quarreling in her home. She, she appeased quarreling. She wasn't arguing. She wasn't nagging. And as women, that's what we've got to aspire to be. But we're not taught that anywhere from God's word in our country. 
you know, unless you have parents that are teaching you that this world does not teach you that America does not teach you that the TV does not teach you that, you know, your friends at your job are not going to teach you that. That's why, again, we've got to be putting God's word before our eyes on a regular basis so we can live up to his standard. So Rebecca, she was a servant. She was a virgin. She was a hard worker. Many of those things we should all aspire to godly women, servant, virgin, hard worker, keeping ourselves for God, working hard for him. She was kind and a helper to strangers. She was discreet, tells us in Genesis 24, 65, that she covered her face when she saw her husband for the first time. You know, American society does not teach us that as women. It teaches us to wear a low-cut blouse and tight pants and hot pants and short skirts. And, but she was a discreet woman. She even covered her face when she saw her husband for the first time. That, that's, that speaks a lot, contrary to America, but it speaks a lot. Our scripture here, Genesis 24, 17 through 19, tells us that, And the servant ran to meet her and said, Let me, I pray thee, drink a little water of thy pitcher. And she said, Drink, my Lord. And she hasted and let down her pitcher upon her hand and gave him drink. And when she had done giving him drink, she said, I will draw water for thy camels also until they have done drinking. And she hasted and emptied her pitcher into the trough and ran again unto the well to draw water and drew for all his camels. And the man, wondering at her, held his peace. Um, and our curriculum tells us she's a real wonder woman. She did so much right there in that passage of scripture that that man was in amazement at her. First and foremost, he asked her for drink and she said, yes, my Lord. Many American women that are asked or told to do something want to argue, want to know why. They have no submission in them. If you can't submit to what you're being told to do, submission is not in you. And she did it quickly, the Bible says. And she went above and beyond. She didn't just do what he asked. She said, oh, let me get for your camels too. And our curriculum tells us that the man, you know, maybe he drank two cups of water. She might could have gotten that in one pitcher. To, to feed that man or to, you know, nourish that man with water. But camels drink a lot. That's why they have that big hump. It's a water reservoir. They drink a lot of water. And it says, she said, I'll do that until they're done drinking. And she hurried to do it. She hasted to do it. So not only did she submit and do what she was asked, she went above and beyond that, way above and beyond that, just to serve his animals too, to be a, ble a further blessing to this man. And by doing so, it qualified her for a husband. You know, she didn't know she was fulfilling what this man's desires were to see who, who would be the wife that he was coming to fetch. It also helped her, to, she got to be the grandmother of Jesus, all because she walked in submission, all because she had a heart to serve and she was a hard worker. You know, if you're a lazy woman and you're not submitted and you're always nagging and you don't want to do anything, what on earth do you have to offer a husband? What are you helping your husband with now if you're not a hard worker, if you're not willing to serve, if you're not willing to go above and beyond? There are blessings that come with submission. This example shows us she earned a husband and got to be the grandmother of Jesus. I mean, I know grandparents, they're all proud of their grandkids. But what if your grandkid was Jesus? You would be a really proud grandma, you know? So it qualified her to, for, to, for her husband and to be the grandmother of Jesus. She was a hard worker. She was a servant, 
and she had a heart to go out of her way. Let's look at Miss Esther here. Mean star and submitted to deliver others. Esther is the famous Jewish, Jewish queen that married the Persian king Xerxes, or Ahasuerus, while Israel was in exile. It should be noted that the whole reason Esther became queen is because Xerxes put away his first wife, Vashti, for rebellion. That wasn't what our last lady just did, Miss Rebecca, was it? She was submitted, but not this lady. Miss Vashti had some rebellion in her that we'll see in here. For rebellion, disrespect, and refusing to submit to her husband. That story's found in Esther 1, 10 through 22. And the story goes to say that he was having a big party. He had had like a week-long celebration, and they were having this big final feast. And he asked for his wife to come out in front of all of the people. He wanted to present his wife to all of his people. And she said, no, she did not come. So she made him look like a fool in front of all of his people. She did not do what was asked of her. And who knows what? I mean, if you think of the reasons for rebellion now, they're all crazy. I'm sure hers were just as crazy too for that rebellion to not do what was asked of her. All he was going to do was present her in front of all the people and say, look at my beautiful wife. Look at what, what I have as a beautiful wife. Look at the lady that's over you. And she said no and wouldn't come. And many American women do the same thing to their husbands on a regular basis. They make fun of them in public. They embarrass them in public. They put them down in public, make snide marks in public, air their shortcomings in public. You know, if you know your husband's shortcomings, it's not for you to air them to everyone. It's for you to pray for them and, again, help him in those areas. You're called to be his help. And again, we saw last week that you're joined together. You're one flesh when you become married. So not only are you destroying your husband, you are destroying yourself and the foundation of your marriage by running your husband down, by, by having snide marks, by, by airing what, what he lacks in. Every husband is human. So for you single people, when you get married, your husband is going to have faults. Your job is to build him up in those areas and help him, not to tell everybody what those faults are. That's what this woman did, and it cost her a divorce. Her husband put her away for it because he said, uh, we'll see here, he publicly made a law divorcing Vashti so that the women all over his kingdom would honor their husbands. He made a public example of this woman. This man walked with God. He had no respecter of persons because he said, if my wife will do this, she's the leading lady. She is going to teach all these other ladies how to rebel and disrespect their husbands. He said, I'm not having that. We're going to put a stop to this. And I promise you that if Miss Manda does something wrong, Pastor Chris will do the same thing. <laughs> he will not let me be a bad example. And I thank God for that. You know, our flesh doesn't always like correction or like to be put in our place, but it keeps us safe. When we're submitted, we're safe and there's blessings that come with it. So our scripture, Esther 1, 17, 18. For this deed of the queen shall come abroad unto all women, so that they shall despise their husbands in their eyes. When it shall be reported, the king Ahasuerus commanded Vashti the queen to be brought in before him, but she came not. Likewise shall the ladies in Persia and Media say this day unto all the king's princes, which have heard of the deed of the queen. 
thus shall there arise too much contempt and wrath. So, you know, we see there in that scripture, he wasn't going to let this woman teach other women how to despise and contempt their own husbands. Our curriculum says, Ahasuerus married Esther because of this, and she became queen. She was a virgin and of good countenance. She had a good attitude. Well, I, I don't know Miss Vashti. We don't hear much else about her, but she didn't have a good attitude if she couldn't just come out to a party and say hi to everyone. But Miss Esther did have a good attitude, and that earned her the right to marry the king. She submitted to all the authority in her life, and it afforded her great power and influence. And we've said before, the, the greatest strength is walking with God. In walking with God, you will submit to authority in your life. And that affords you great power and influence when you're submitted. Otherwise, you're hijacking the authority and you really have none because it's stolen authority. It's not given to you. She was even permitted by the king to write letters establishing laws in the king's name and to even seal them with the king's ring. So she was given authority over their kingdom. She had the ability to make decisions because she was a submitted woman. I'm pretty sure Miss Vashti never got to make any laws or to sign the king's name for anything. She couldn't even come to a party at his request. That's pathetic. But we do it in our lives today. You know, your husband says, honey, come on, we're doing this. Honey, we're, gonna, we're not going to eat out this week because we're going to save for this. You know, honey, don't buy that dress because of this. And we throw fits and we whine and we bellyache. Oh, you don't love me oh, you really, you're not going to let me have that? You know, we act like two-year-olds. And that's not godly women. That's not God's desire for us. That's not God's blueprint for us as women. These commands, back to our curriculum, saved the Jewish people and gave them revenge on their enemies. Her submission delivered a nation from destruction. So again, we see further blessings and great things that come when we're submitted in our lives. She saved a whole nation. You know, our last woman got to be the grandmother of Jesus. There are blessings and protection that come from being submitted. Our next woman is Ruth, meaning friendship, sacrifice unto promotion. Ruth was a Moabitess, and not she was a non-Israelite. She had married Naomi's son, who was an Israelite, while Naomi and her family were living in Moab in a time of famine. So she met this Israelite because he's living in her country. There's famine. Ruth's husband died, and Naomi requested that Ruth return to her family, but she would not. The Bible tells us, Ruth 1.14, that Ruth clave unto her. Ruth was faithful and submitted. With Miss Ruth, we see, you know, she had no ambitions of her own. Her mother-in-law is saying, go back to your family and she says, no, the Bible says she clave unto her. Let's read this, Ruth 1, 16 through 18 in our curriculum here. It says, and Ruth said, entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught, but death part thee and me. When she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with, then she left speaking unto her. So we see there, you know, 
Ruth is saying, go, 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 go back. Or, I mean, uh, Naomi was saying, go, go back. But Ruth says, no, she clave unto her. And this story has ministered, ministered so much to me in studying this that, you know, Ruth, before, she was a Moabitess, so she wasn't a Christian. She married into a Christian family. She married an Israelite who knew God. And this woman is saying, you know, our husbands have died. You know, go back to your family. And she says, no, I'm going with you. In, in all honesty, when I first saw it, I thought it was because the man never left his mama. But I see it differently now in that she walked with God. This woman was a Christian, and Ruth decided she was going to be a Christian no matter what it cost her. Because Naomi is going back to Israel. All of Ruth's family lives in uh, Moab. So she says, no, I'm not staying here with my family to die a pagan, to die a heathen, to not live for God. I'm going to serve you. So serving God is going to cost us. But, but I love this, you know, because family, we, talk, we touched on family last time for women, can be a very emotional thing. Your mom, your grandma, you know, if you're an older woman, your kids, what are they going to think? What are they doing? This woman, it doesn't say that she ever asked her family's advice. She ever asked her family's opinion. She had determined she was going to serve God, and that's what she did. I, I love that. Is that hard for us sometimes on our emotions? Sure, sure, because we have emotions, but it doesn't change the word of God. It doesn't change that God has to come first in our life. You know, in this example, you know, Moabs, they, they didn't know God at all. Some of us, our, our families do walk with God, but maybe not to the degree that we do. They may be born again, but maybe they're not, you know, as on fire for God as, or sold out or walking in the depth that you are in your relationship with the Lord. So again, we, we don't have to go to all that to get their opinion when, when they're not serving God like we are. You know, there is wisdom in godly counsel, but just because they're your family doesn't mean they're godly counsel. They may be born again, but it may not be godly counsel for your life, and they're not walking in your relationship with God. That relationship is between you and God, and you've got to do what God tells you to do. You've got to serve him no matter the cost. I love that story because we touched last time, sometimes moms and daughters have a, that tight-knit relationship, or grandma, or even moms with their sons. We've got to make sure that we put God first in our lives above everyone and everything else. God first and then our husbands. So, so she left our, our uh, curriculum. We'll read here. It says, Ruth put aside all of her ambitions, goals, plans, etc. to be faithful and serve her mother-in-law. This woman of God's ambition was to be a servant. She wanted to serve God. She could have stayed with her family, all the people she'd grown up with, but she chose to serve God. The other alternative was to stay in Moab and die a pagan. You know, and honestly, we're not in Moab, but we can spiritually be in Moab. We can be living in rebellion against our husband. We can always be going to mommy. We can be doing everything but walking towards the things of God in our life. You know, so physically not in Moab, but we can be spiritually living contrary to God's design and blueprint for our lives. And we can die there if we want to, because God's a gentleman and he'll let us do whatever we want to do, even if that is live in rebellion. He will let us live in rebellion. I don't want to live in rebellion. <laughs> um, 
So back to our curriculum. Ruth gathered barley for her mother-in-law in the field of Boaz. She was a humble, hard worker. This earned her great favor. She was a woman of sacrifice. We see, I mean, she just sacrificed her whole relationship with her family. You know, how touchy can family be sometimes? I'm pretty sure they cut her off. They, they probably said, you know what? You're not part of us anymore. You're choosing to follow that woman after some God. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure, you know, maybe not all of them, but they probably cut her off. They said, no more, you're right, don't, don't ever come back to us. She sacrificed to serve God. And she was a virtuous woman, it tells us in Ruth 3.11. Her submission caused her to gain a husband, a kinsman redeemer, and secure a place in the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here we see again, she got to be the great-great-grandmother of Jesus. By walking in submission, by serving God, by having a walk with him, you know, back to the whole family thing, if she was concerned about what they were saying, she would never have ended up here. If her heart was torn with what they thought or how they were going to feel, she would never have ended up where she was, a blessed woman in the lineage of Jesus Christ. So it does pay to submit to God. It does pay to serve God. Rahab means wide or broad, a receiver of truth. Though called Rahab the harlot in the Bible, Rahab also married into Israel and became the great-great-great-grandmother of Jesus Christ. The greatest characteristic to be learned from Rahab is her willingness to change who she was. I love that right there. Rahab was a prostitute. And if you, you read the scriptures, you'll find out she lived in the wall of the city, which meant she had a lot of money. She was a good prostitute, if we can say that. She made a lot of money. She was very wealthy. The Bible talks about the, the linens that she had. She had fancy clothes. She, she was a prosperous woman in her sin, if we can say it that way. Um, but she left everything. Our next sentence says, she was quick to receive and hide the truth of God's word in her heart, her life, and her home. For Rahab to receive Jesus Christ means she had to let go of absolutely everything she knew. You know, and I was talking to Pastor about it last night, you know, she was a good prostitute. But by default, you don't choose to be a prostitute. You're typically a prostitute because you failed at something else or you don't think you're good enough to do anything else. You know, maybe you don't have an education for whatever reason, but women don't set out to do that. They don't go to school to become that. So, you know, she had, she either had some shortcomings in her life or she felt she had some shortcomings in her life. So she had hit bottom and was good at doing this, but she let that go. So she's not thinking I have my education to fall back on. She's not thinking I have this savings to fall back on. She's not thinking she has all this stuff that she can go back to. Because again, to be a prostitute, you've usually hit bottom. That's not a goal for someone's life. But that's where she was. She let all of that go. And it says that she was quick to receive. She was quick to receive Jesus. She saw the truth, which is what we're able to see in these passages for our lives. So I challenge us as women, if she can change so quickly, why can't we? 
Why can't we let go of what mama's taught us, what the world's taught us, our way of doing things, and quickly receive Jesus, quickly receive his word? Because if it's in the Bible, it's truth. That speaks so much to me that she was able to let all of that go. That was her livelihood. And she said, I'll take Jesus. You know, and for many of us, God is not asking us to give up our livelihood through these teachings. He's just showing us his, the best way to do things. And we can see the, the blessings that come from it. So why do we kick and scream? Why do we say, uh, I, I, I don't, uh, no, that's not for me. That, that's for someone else. That's not for me because of X, Y, and Z. Or because mama taught me A, B, C. You know, she let go of all of that and let it go quickly. I challenge us to do the same thing, to, to let God's truth be hidden in our heart quickly and live for him. So we're introduced to her as a harlot, back to our curriculum here. We're introduced to her as a harlot, but she finishes life as an honest woman of God and is recorded in Hebrews 11, Hall of Faith. Rahab was kind and given to hospitality. We see that in Joshua 2.12. She let the men come into her home, which as a godly woman, we should be given to hospitality. We should be kind. Even though she was a prostitute, she was still concerned for her family's well-being. We see that in verses 11 and 12. And again, that comes back to what we saw previously. The reason that Sarah was able to see that it was time for Hagar and the son to go was because she was a good steward over her home. She was concerned for the comings and goings of her home. And as a woman, we should be that way as well. We see that here in Miss Rahab. You know, she was a prostitute, so she had a sinful career, but she still had a heart for her home. She still had a heart to take care of her home, which is put in us from God. And she could keep a secret. We could touch on American women right there. You know, if if your church family or your work co-workers know all of the comings and goings of your life, then you should really judge the aspect of your life. If they know the intimate things between you and your husband, every little thing your kid does wrong, you know, we've talked about you're encouraging your husbands, but it's your job to encourage your kids too. Your kids are going to have shortcomings too. But it's not your job to complain about them to your co-workers. It's your job to build that up in them and change them. Shape them into that arrow that you're going to shoot out one day so that they can go far in the things of God. She could keep a secret. How many of us, I mean, just honestly ask yourself, if you know some juicy something, do you have to tell somebody or can you keep it a secret? Can you be an honorable woman and, and hold things in? There's an honorable woman doesn't tell everything that she knows. Rahab wasn't a blabbermouth. <laughs> uh, we see that in Joshua 2, 14, 20, and 21. Rahab's faith and submission saved her entire family and secured a place in the lineage of Jesus Christ. These women, I mean, I, I hope you can see it. They saved people. They saved their families. They saved nations. They got to be part of the lineage of Jesus because... Somebody tell me why. One word. Submission. Because they were submitted. They were in subjection to their God. They were in subjection to their husbands. They were submitted women. I could probably say it again. They were submitted women. As Americans, sometimes we do not like to be submitted. But we've got to talk to our God about that and ask him to help us to change that. 
Help me to be a submitted woman. Help me to desire to take orders. You know, help, regardless if I understand why or how much or when, help me to desire to take orders from the leadership in my life because all, all leadership in your life is God-ordained. The Bible tells us so. It's all God-ordained. So your God can help you to, to be able to accept that. The only reason you can't is because you've been taught by our culture that you have a right, that you have equal rights, that you're just as equal to that man. No, you're not. Feminism tells you that you are, but you are not equal to any man. If that's hard for you to hear, talk to God. Talk to your God. He can help you. Say, Lord, that woman said, I'm not equal to a man. And that really just bugs me. I think I'm equal. I'm smarter than my man. Maybe naturally you are, but you don't have the authority from God to run your home like he does. You are not equal to any man in your life. You're not equal to your boss in that regard. You may know more than your boss. You may have more degrees than your boss, but you are not equal to your boss. Your boss is your authority. You know, we have one. You're not equal to your parents. <laughs> so she, she could keep a secret. She wasn't a blabbermouth. Rahab's faith and submission saved her entire family and secured a place in the lineage of Jesus Christ. That's, that's awesome. Deborah here, our last one, she was Israel's mother. Deborah was Israel's only female judge and female leader. Judges 4.4 lets us know she was a prophetess. So she had a ministry call which equipped her for great leadership ability. Well, that's in our curriculum to show us that, you know, she was the only female judge and female leader. And that's because there was a call of God on her life. We'll see, even though she was a judge and a leader, she still submitted and she still pushes the men forward, which many women that get put in, into leadership by feminism that tells you, you you have to earn 100000 and your family goes to hell and destruction at the cost of you earning that $100,000 career and wearing your business suits and your high heels and uh, being all fancy-pantsy. Feminism tells you that, but... The Bible doesn't tell us that. And we'll see Deborah didn't act that way, even though she was a judge and a leader. Verse 5 tells us that she dwelt under the palm tree of Deborah. And palm trees represent wisdom, integrity, uprightness, and eldership. And those are qualities that every woman should aspire to have in her life. You know, you should, you should say, can people say that, that I, I represent wisdom? Do I have the wisdom of God? And the wisdom of God, the Bible tells us, begins with the fear of the Lord. That comes back to reading our Bibles on a daily basis, trusting the God that we serve. Integrity, do you have integrity in your life? Uprightness and eldership, can people come to you for advice and help? We should all, regardless of our age, be, be desiring those qualities. This speaks of Deborah's character. She would have been wise, righteous, patient, disciplined. She was capable of judging righteously and not letting her emotions pervert her judgment. Again, those emotions for us as women can get us in trouble, but we, we can learn, just like Deborah did, they don't have to affect our judgment. They don't have to if we don't let them. She is the leader over Israel, but she prophesies that Barak, a man, is to go to war against Assyria, captain of Jabin's army. He agrees to obey God if she will support him. Deborah was a great support and encouragement to the captain of Israel's armies. She constantly prophesied to him words of encouragement. Just like we said earlier, it's our job to encourage your husband. 
It's your job to encourage your leaders. Encourage the man in your life. Encourage him in the things of God. It said she constantly supported and encouraged him. She was a leader herself. She could have said, no, don't go. No, don't do that. Let me take care of that for you, which many American women want to do because they want to run the show. Not Deborah. She heard from God, but she pushed the man forward. She constantly prophesied to him words of encouragement. There is no desire on her part to do a man's job. She had no feminist teaching from the American culture in her. She didn't have the desire to wear the pants. Again, she heard from God and she was able to prophesy, but she pushed the man forward. She didn't want to take his job. She knew her place and her place was to encourage and support. And as a woman, that is your job, to encourage and support. Your job is not to lead. Her heart is for, or say, there is no desire on her part to do a man's job. Her heart is for the leaders of Israel, not for her to be the chief of leaders. So she wants the leaders to do a good job, not for herself, for her own name to be made. You know, she wants to push the right leaders forward. Judges 5, 7 in the Amplified tells us, The villages were unoccupied and rulers ceased in Israel until you arose. You, Deborah, arose a mother in Israel. Our curriculum tells us without a mother, families will be empty and good leadership will fail. Amazingly, Israel needed a woman's touch and a godly mother to prosper their villages and raise leadership. She brought rest to Israel for 40 years. Rest, not quarrelsome. There was peace and rest. There are, these are some of the key women of old. A virtuous woman will excel at them all. And we should all desire to be that, to pray, to see, Lord, get these things working in my life that I don't currently have. So I call you all blessed. We've got 15 minutes until service.